Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. I'm Kate Borsay. It's day two of the World Cup and today I'm with Lindsay Hooper. Hi, Linz. We've had a penalty in every World Cup game so far. Can you believe it? I know. I feel like goalkeepers were the treasured pick in our predictions game. If anyone playing along has been picking goalkeepers, they probably had quite a few points with penalty saves, clean sheets... We, however, probably have got a few lessons to learn, I think, in that department. Yes, me particularly. Mm. Well, Lindsay and I are joined today by a Manchester United midfielder with over 50 caps for England to her name and a stint at Atletico Madrid. It's Jade Moore. Jade, welcome along. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you with us. It's your first time on the show, I know. And actually, as a pundit, Lindsay's already mentioned our competition, our ones to watch prediction game. As a pundit, you are already in the lead. You'll be pleased to know Tash Dowie bagged you two points for that Aitana Bonmati goal that we saw a little earlier today. So very exciting indeed. Jade, you can give yourself a pat on the back for that one. <laughs> Lindsay, how did you fare? I did okay. If only there was an assist for an assist. I'd gone for Cherna Gorsevic along with producer Sophie uh, for Switzerland. And you know what? At times in that match, I thought she's going to do it. She's going to at least assist or score. And every time I thought of you, Kate, watching and, and probably being happy that I wasn't getting any points when your player didn't even start. Thank you mm. very much. Mm. Rafia Umaram for Nigeria. She's young, she's a defender, she scores. I thought I was onto a winner, but now I understand the game fully. Effectively, you just you're basically going to have to pick someone who you know is going to have game time and then see how you go. Maybe I'll keep my choices a bit rogue, like to be a bit different away from the norm. The scores are currently pundits 2 and me and Lindsay and producers on 0. 
Let's see if we can do any better. We'll let you know what our picks are for tomorrow's games at the end of this show. So Spain and Olympic champions Canada kicked off their World Cup campaigns today. And on Saturday, England will do the same. Yes, that's right. England take on Haiti and Brisbane on Saturday. Ahead of this one, Lindsay had a quick chat with Hope Powell, who was England manager for 15 years. Hope, it's brilliant to have you on the offside rule. As a manager, how much emphasis did you put on that first game? Because obviously we'll we'll get from Serena, you've already said it there, that there'll be probably an indication of what team she's going to pick for the majority of the tournament. But in terms of performance factor, is it about setting the standard? Is that how you approach the first match? I think really, of course, everybody wants to play well. There's no guarantee. It doesn't mean players aren't trying. You know, sometimes you don't play well for all sorts of reasons. I think the most important thing is to try and get those points on the board early. I think it just calms you down. Having said that, when we got to the final in the European final in 2000, was it 2009? We actually lost our opening game to Italy and we still got to a final. But most people, you would say you like to go into that first game, you like to win it, you like to perform well. It sets a really good foundation. So I think they'll be going into that game. I have no doubt they're going to win it. They should win it. Um, And it will just settle and calm everybody down because it's been a long time now they've been out here, a lot of downtime, a lot of hopefully exploring this beautiful country or Australia that, that they're in if you're in New Zealand, if, you know, Teams would have got here two weeks before as well, I'm sure. So there's been a lot of downtime and they'll be very keen to get going. So for Serena, she'll just have to manage that. The players will have to manage themselves, but they'll want to get off to a really good start. And it's an ideal starting game because I believe, you know, they have more than enough about them to win the game. I wanted to ask you about Katie Robinson because you gave her a very first pro contract at Brighton. I wondered what you saw in her then, what you've made of her development and how you think she'll help England this time. Yeah, she obviously we've recognised her as a talent because we signed her from Bristol on um, initially on a two-year deal. Pace, you, you know, those those sort of tricky players, you know, that take players on 1v1. It's very rare these days, and that is her game. She likes to get the ball at her feet and run at defenders, and she is rapid. So we kind of saw that she, she, you know, needed a little bit of um, tactical understanding, technical understanding, when and where to do that. Um, she was very young when she came to us, so we, we put her out on loan. Um, I think that did her the world of good, put her out on loan for a season. She got injured. She did her ACL in the first year we, she was with us. So we put her out on loan. But there was always something about her ability to run and take players on at pace and real speed that, as I said, is very rare these days. Yeah. Um, so we always kind of knew that she had the basics, you know, the foundation, and it was just about exposing her and giving her more game time. Time, And as she's got that, she's just got better and better and better. I, I still think there's a little bit more time. I think she's nowhere near as good as she will be. But being exposed at the highest level, going away, you know, to a major World Cup says a lot about her. And, um, you know, I trust that she'll be a very good future international. 
So some exciting talent to bring off the bench there for sure. The good news, and we'll start with this, Jade, is that Serena Wiegmann and Millie Bright both confirmed uh, that Millie Bright is fit to play in defence. I don't know why I'm surprised by this, but I believe them. And that is some really good news for the team. Yes, it is. I think actually for Millie Bright coming into this game, playing against Haiti will be a lesser competition um, for her. And I think it'll be a really good game for her to find her feet again. What is it as well about Millie Bright and her evolving over recent seasons? Because now she's got the captain's armband, Jade, and obviously you've played alongside her. Yeah, I think obviously with Millie, the biggest thing for her development throughout her career has been consistency. She's played consistently for Chelsea now for the last, I don't know how many years, but it seems like a lifetime for her. So I think that's played a, a pivotal part in her development. She's been given the captaincy from Emma Hayes. I think so. She sees that she's a leader. And then obviously Serena's seen the same thing. So obviously given the recent injury form with everyone, I think she's best fitted now to wear that captain's armband to lead this England team in this this competition. So we know she's fit and that, of course, brings on the conversation, Jade, about who will pair with her at centre-back. A lot of people have said Alex Greenwood, then Jess Carter at left-back. What do you think? You've played... With both those players, you're at the 2019 World Cup. You know all of this personnel really well. Who do you favour in terms of who goes where? I think Serena will play Alex at centre-back and Jess at full-back. But I think in this game, they both have strengths and weaknesses that actually complement each other for different positions and different oppositions. So if I was Serena, I would use them in different games for for their strengths. And against Haiti, I would put Jess Carter at centre-back and I would put Alex Greenwood at fullback because I think Jess Carter actually allows for the space to uh, recover and you know stop a counter-attacking threat from Haiti, whereas Alex Greenwood's uh, strengths are crosses and um, quick combination play out wide to be a little bit more progressive going forward in the game. I think that's a really interesting take because different opposition, they do ask different questions of you defensively. And I think you're right to point out the different qualities, you know, the pace that Jess Carter has in those one-on-one situations. I know that's been pointed out. I, I think probably I've maybe prescribed to the idea that you should have a solid relationship there in that back two and that that develops throughout a tournament. But you might correct me, Jade, and say behind the scenes, you know, you're always working in different pairs. I don't really know in training whether that's what happens. Yeah, that is what happens. Obviously, you know, in training, you play with different people. You obviously have different strengths. I think the longer the tournament goes, yes, you're going to want that um, partnership to cement. But you've got to look at this team and you've got to look at Millie Bright. She plays at club with Jess Carter. So is that something that's going to actually help right now? A little bit of familiarity Millie hasn't played for a long time, so is that going to help her? Alex Greenwood's played centre-back for probably the last year or so in her career, but her out-and-out position has always been full-back. So I think for those two players to switch and interchange positions shouldn't cause too much discomfort. Let's go on to the other big talking point, which is who is going to lead the front line for England, the number nine I mean, I think generally people have whittled it down, Jade, and do tell me if we're being remiss here, to Alessia Russo and to Rachel Daly. Are we forgetting someone? Where does your thoughts sit on this one? I think them two are the front runners right now. I think Rachel Daly's had an unbelievable season. You can't obviously take away her form. And sometimes form prevails going into tournaments. I think we've suffered sometimes 
previously in, in competition where we play the players that are that have been informed for England players rather than playing the players that are informed for right now, here and now. So I think Serena will go with whatever she sees fit. I think they've got you know an unbelievable talent in both of them that can score many different goals. I do think Serena's going to edge with Daly to start and have the impact of Russo. But in my opinion, I think whoever starts, the other one's got to be ready to finish it. Do you think, Jade, that she'll do that because of the impact that Russo had last summer as a substitute because that's already been proven that she comes off the bench and she impacts games whereas we don't know whether Rachel Daly she's always been a consistent starter I know it's been in a different position but maybe she isn't as much of the substitute role that that perhaps Russo can be yeah I do think that I do think that'll be something that will play in the back of Serena's mind and also that both of them have very good engines and can run all day long so I think it'll be you know who's best suited to empty the tank earlier on and then who's best suited to go and obviously deliver and finish the game plan and right now I think Rachel Daly pips Russo on doing that from the start of the game but in my opinion if I was her I'd play both of them. I thought that Farrah Williams made a really interesting point as well about the hold-up play. And you you think about who's around that number nine position. We're going to probably put money on Lauren Hemp starting this game. We've got Chloe Kelly, who's potentially going to be putting deliveries into the box. Or Lauren James, who's an emerging star and has had a brilliant season at Chelsea. But she likes to drift in from the wing. And I thought Farrah pointed out that Lauren James is the sort of player that would probably prefer playing with Alessia Russo because of that link-up, whereas Rachel Daly's more the in-running-off-the-shoulder-in-behind sort of forward. Although I do do think that does a, a bit of an injustice to Rachel because she has held up play in a few Villa games that I've watched. I certainly know that she's linked up well with Jordan Nobbs, for instance. They know each other working together. That could be another thing that plays into Serena's minds are those club partnerships that you've already talked about. Yeah, I actually think if you break down Rach and Lesser's games, they're very similar. They both like to run in behind. They both like to score goals inside the box. They both like to hold up play. Rach, actually, for Villas, come a lot deeper in games that I've seen. So she does have the hold up play. She does have the linking from um, ranks to ranks. I think both of them are very similar. I think it's going to be who who they can utilise in those moments, in those specific games, the best and get the best out of them. But you've also said you think that Russo and Daly could play together, Jade. I, I'm a you know a strong believer of getting your best players on the pitch. And if you've got two strikers right now that are in form, that are playing well, especially in the first game of the competition, you want to try and hit the, hit the ground running. You want to get your main goal scorers scoring goals early on, gain the confidence, get those early competition nerves out of, way, out of the way, and then obviously build on that. And for me, I'd stick them both in there. I'd change the formation. Who would you sacrifice for that? That's a good question because I've wrote down a few different um, <laughs> different formations that I would play. I love this. The paperwork comes out now, Linz. This is this is this is what I love about our lionesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that they are fully prepped. It's almost like a mini tactics board on an A4 pad in front. I of I think you, we're isn't it, having an early indication here of coaching potential for Jade in the future as well. Everything's written <laughs> down. The thing is with the game and the opposition that you play against, we have so many strengths in and around this you know, starting 11 that we could play with. So I looked at like a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2, however you wanted to look at it. Because the reality is how much, how much are Haiti going to test our back line? How much are Haiti going to threaten a back four? So I'm going, should a back two really and a comfortable holding midfielder in the Kira Walsh be able to lock up 
the back of the pitch. I think they can do that in this game. And I think it'll look like that. And a Lucy Bronze and an Alex Greenwood out wide can be those wide players, those fullbacks, those wing-back positions. You know, that's probably their strengths all in yeah. all. Lucy gets very high. Alex likes to get very high. That goes into their strengths. And then, you know, you're going to have like a, a Georgia Stanway, an Ella Toon in midfield with a Lauren James, all mm. very creative players. And then you get your Rach Daly and your Alessia Russo up top. So my nailed on Lauren Hemp is not nailed on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're basically <laughs> sacrificing However, one Lauren for another. Lauren Hemp could play as a, as a wing back all day long. Yeah. She, yeah. Is a, she is an attacking player that likes to tackle. And I actually think that would be her, her key position. You've blown my mind. <laughs> Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, against Haiti, we have all it makes been up sense. since about six a.m. So uh, it isn't it isn't hard to blow our minds. Um, Jade, we'll have many more of your tactics on this show, I'm sure. Uh, let's wrap up the conversation on England and instead get the lowdown on England's opponents, Haiti. We spoke to the journalist Caleb Jepta Pierre. Caleb, it's great to have you on. Thank you for joining us. I can't wait to talk about Haiti. I think this is one of the best stories of this World Cup, getting to their first one. Can you tell us about the journey to get there, what it means as well in Haiti, and and what the conditions have been like for the players to get here as well? Good morning. Um, We're having this World Cup. It's a long journey for Haiti. The Federation set up a women's football program and since almost 10 years in the country. And the program worked very well. So we faced the best team in the CONCACAF. We played very well against USA, Canada, and Mexico also. Uh, we qualified in 2018 to the U20 World Cup in France. So that's the key of what we do um, this year. So, yeah, they finally made it. Because since they start playing with Haiti, this was their dream to play in the World Cup one day. A lot of people have singled out this 19-year-old you have, who's Melshi Demornay. She signed for Lyon. And of course, when you make a move like that to one of the giants of European football, it's going to get headlines. But who else do you think we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, Melshi is a gift of God. Everyone is, is in love with this player, so her qualities are great. And every day the expectation placed in her becomes greater. So next to her, we are a lot of players. So we can make the difference in the pitch. For example, the captain, Neuilia Mundesir. We got also our number seven, Batsheba Luis, and our number nine, Shirley Jody. But for Haiti, the priority is the team before the individualities. What do you think they will set up like against England? His first World Cup, so that's uh, going to be a big thing. So we come to play with uh, England with humility. You know, this is uh, one of the best teams in the world. Favorite for the final trophy. So the thing is, the Haitian players going to be going to play with heart. So they're going to spend the energies and the pitch to show what is Haiti, because that's the goal. So, you know, Haiti is a small country and the Caribbean. We suffer a lot to do um, this competition. So we're going to do it and we're going to come to play to England with humility. 
Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure for me too. This is Jade Moore. Join us for the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. Let's get on to today's matches then. Spain beat Costa Rica 3-0 in Wellington. It started with an own goal from Valeria del Campo and six minutes later, Spain had three thanks to Aitana Bonmati and Esther Gonzalez. They didn't even need Jenny Hermoso's penalty, which was saved. Jade, let's get into the detail on this one. Those three goals coming in a short burst of seven minutes and that's when Spain really, really showed up and I'd argue maybe killed the game before we'd even got anywhere near the second half? I think you could tell within the first 10 minutes that it was going to be a game where one team attacks and the other team defends for their lives. It always looked like it was going to take a mistake to open the floodgates, um, and obviously that came in quite early on for Spain. But I think the second half, they really stood out to me, Costa Rica, because they didn't use the the negativity of the, of the first half to, to stop them doing going out there and trying to do something different. And they went out and pressed Spain higher up in the pitch. They created a few more opportunities to regain the ball higher. And that actually stopped and nullified Spain's attacking threats in the second half, which to me surprised me a lot. You know what? I, I came away feeling slightly disappointed in Spain. And I find that incredible because you, you look at a 3 nil scoreline. It's been the biggest victory that we've watched so far this World Cup. They've all been quite tight games, haven't they? Quite cagey. I always felt this was one-sided. But I think when you weigh up the fact that from a Costa Rica point of view, there was only one full-time professional and the, the others were all classed as amateur. And then you also take into consideration, I think it was over 45 shots. And I, I remember just at the end of the programme, whilst I was getting ready for this, hearing a stat like 170... 100 and something. Yeah, 171 touches in the opposition box. Something <laughs> like that. Well, whatever it was, Kate, it was over 100. And and I think it's broken a new record for both men's and women's football at a World Cup um, to have that many touches in an opposition box. So that left me with a question mark over ruthlessness. And and as much as I admire this Spain team and their dominance, and I, I wrote down as I was watching just quality, the technical gifts that they've got, the skill. I thought the touch as well for Bob Matty to set up her own goal for that second one was just sublime. I mean, that sort of skill is just top, top draw. We're talking about the top players of the game. Sophie is now confirming it was 106 touches in the opposition box. Okay. Uh, thank you, producer Sophie. But yeah, <laughs> the, the fact that they're all technically gifted, I think with, without making that count for something and being more ruthless, the fact they didn't score in the second half, I don't know, it leaves me with some question marks. And I, and I did think a couple of times that Costa Rica, I don't know whether you would agree, Jade, but they had opportunities on the counter-attack where they were quite quick. There was that one that one quick counter-attack as well that the goalkeeper started. And and I thought Spain looked a little more vulnerable than I expected them to. But what, what was your take? Yeah, I think ruthlessness has been a word that's been thrown around with this Spanish team for quite a long time now. If you look at their results leading to this tournament, they've had numerous goals that they've scored. And I just thought, oh, maybe this is a change in the direction that they're going to go in. I think the first half, I actually was quite impressed. The fact that they didn't overpossess the ball as much as I've seen them do previously. There was being a little bit more ruthless in their attacks. There was heading to goal earlier on in their possession build-up than I've seen previously happen with Spain. So in the first half, I've I seen glimpses of something that maybe is a turning point for them. But that second half for me, yes, did leave a little bit of disappointment because as a lot of people have 
you know, touched on. You want to make a stand in your first game. You want to make people come out and look at you and say, oh, if we don't get our tactics right against Spain, we're going to be in for a pummeling. You know, USA did that against Thailand a couple of years ago, and then they went on to go and win the, win the tournament. Mm. So I think that is the element of where where is Spain in their progression right now. If they would have gone and notched another six goals against a team like Costa Rica, would that have set them up now to be a little bit more feared moving on through the competition or are they just you know looked at again as a normal Spanish team? I guess the point is Spain didn't need to get out of second gear and so why do they need to exert themselves at this stage of the tournament when 3-0 is more than enough? Can we take from this game Jade and I note that Spain like to push their fullbacks forward don't they? What else can we identify that that might be a weak point for Spain? What have we learned from this game that their opposition can look to identify to get to them I think they had a little bit of complacency creeping at, at times in the game where they'd had the ball for a lot of uh, for long spells and then when there was those moments where Costa Rica could high press them in, they actually caused them to fluster and sometimes when you're not you know up against that early on in the game and then when you know Costa Rica came out in the second half and, and caused them a different problem and I think that shocked Spain a little bit I think they was expecting to go against the same the same game plan going and beating a low block again but actually Costa Rica posed them a different question and I think they wasn't quite ready for that. Mm. Let's talk about the missing players I mean they seemed to be absolutely grand without the likes of Mappy Leone and the other uh, players who are missing in protest at the moment about the way that the game is treated over there by their national association. I really enjoyed uh, as well watching some of Spain's youngsters. Of course, uh, these players have perhaps got an opportunity or more of an opportunity, more minutes because of those that are missing. Salma Paraluelo, who's 19, she moved from Villarreal to Barca uh, last summer and that's just meant that her game has gone up 15 levels basically I thought she was great she was really exciting to watch today and we also didn't we saw Alexia Porteas Jade coming on as a sub she didn't start how do you think she's looking good I actually thought (laughs) she came on and was cool calm collected everything that she did had purpose she didn't look flustered she didn't look out of shape she actually come on and in my opinion she she calmed the game a little bit. I think her presence in that team is going to be vital to settle some nerves and I think obviously just to guide and galvanize that squad later on in competition is going to be really important for that Spanish team. She could have won a penalty, couldn't she? Her movement, I think that that's the thing that you just can't teach. It's just there when they say about class being permanent, her movement there to draw in the defender and and she they were lucky actually Costa Rica that there wasn't a penalty awarded in that one. Well, at Costa Rica Press On, they are still, aren't they, yet to win a game at a World Cup Finals. Uh, let's next move on to Group B. This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. It was nil-nil in the end between Canada and Nigeria in Melbourne. Canada captain Christine Sinclair missed a penalty and the first red card of the World Cup went to Nigeria's Deborah Abioden. We're joined by Mariam Karobi, host of She Scores Bangers and writer for Canadian Soccer Daily. Hey to you, Mariam. Hello, how are you? And Samuel Hamadou, who is chief editor of NigeriaFootball.ng. Hello to you, Samuel. Great to be a part of this and hello too to everyone. It's great to have you both with us. Mariam, I'm going to start with you. Is it fair to say that Canada were unsettled by Nigeria? 
a little bit, I think, underwhelming, a little bit disappointed. And I think this does feel like a loss more than a draw and a point. It feels like we dropped points. Um, and it will be a very hard road to get back on winning the games. But with Nigeria, sure, they can be ranked number 40 on the FIFA rankings, but they are a African powerhouse that you can absolutely not underestimate. Maybe in the first 20 minutes, Canada looked a little bit too comfortable because Nigeria was almost reading what Canada was going to bring and testing the waters. But the second they started pressing, pushing a little bit higher, Canada was not able to continue that possession flow that they were initially going out with. And it almost did look like they crumbled slightly in some ways um, for that pressure. Samuel, as for you with Nigeria, what did you make of the performance? Did you leave that game feeling that you could have got more? I think we'll definitely expected that I would probably wouldn't have achieved much against Canada, understanding the pedigree of the team being uh, reigning Olympic champions. But uh, realistically, on one end, we felt like, wow, we, we had the opportunities on our hands and just we couldn't take them. Defensively, I think we were solid. And I think probably that was just what the coach intended to achieve. And surely that was accurately executed. And I think uh, credit to the girls. I think they really uh, fought hard. They showed character. And I think it's uh, a tall order for us to, in the first place, expect them to beat Canada. But on the other end, uh, seeing how the game turned out, we were imagining that this was a three-pointer for us. But unfortunately, uh, settling for a draw was something massive to, to build confidence with and also to possibly uh, fancy our chances of progressing from the group. Yeah, the volume in this game in Melbourne was bought by Nigeria. Canada were completely nullified when it came to support in the crowd. And that is important for us to recognise as well. You carried a huge support with you. Simon, I need to talk about your goalkeeper. For me, mm. absolute heroics, player of the game, Chiamaka Nadozi, 22 years old. Uh, she saved that second half penalty by Christine Sinclair, but she did so much more. She was responsible, really, for keeping Nigeria in the game. Just give us a bit of insight on Nadozi. Well, realistically, uh, is is a talented player that I'm very proud of. I think for one who has been close to women's football uh, in Nigeria, especially at the international level for uh, more than have uh, more than a dozen years, I think. Uh, she's a player that I think she has developed with every game. Uh, understanding her at the under-20, she wasn't even our first choice going to the under-20 Women's World Cup in France uh, back in 2018. But uh, realistically, when the first choice goalkeeper then did fumbled, she came on and never had she looked back since then. And, you know, she made a mark for herself in uh, the 2018 Under-20 World Cup, even though we crashed out uh, from the quarterfinals. But a year later, a year later, the coach was very impressed. That was the then coach, Thomas Enemby, the Swede. I was quite impressed with her quality, with her performance. And, you know, through her into the fray uh, a year later at the, at the Women's World Cup, uh, in France, same country. So, and for her to have kept a clean sheet against Korea, South Korea, and helping us win that 2 0, our first clean sheet, become the youngest goalkeeper ever in the history of the competition to have kept a clean sheet, it speaks only about the potential she has. And having seen how she has helped uh, Paris FC to a back to back championship qualification, it speaks only about the huge prospect in her. And even long before securing the second Champions League qualification, a lot of clubs uh, from on the ground have been hearing Atletico Madrid, top teams in, in Europe, already chasing her signature before she signed a new deal with Paris. So uh, she has great prospect. And uh, looking at her age, you definitely know that this is a talent that definitely will rock the global stage for a long time. 
Marion, what do Canada need to do for the next game, do you think? What tweaks need to be made? We had a massive issue as well with set pieces because we know we do struggle from scoring from open play. That's been a consistent issue since Beth Priestman has come in and we've tried to address it, but it almost feels like it keeps going on and now there's worrying signs, it's troubling signs. But because we've got that, we've been able to kind of fall back on our set pieces. For this game, unfortunately, we had Jesse Fleming out with a cough injury because she picked up a knock in the England uh, friendly behind the doors game. She was out as a precautionary and she was the player on the set pieces because we've got Janine Becky out with an ACL injury. So it felt like for the set pieces, Canada came in a little bit unprepared and didn't address the problem of who is going to deliver the set pieces. Obviously, we saw Christy Sinclair miss that penalty, unfortunately, which could come back to bite us really badly and become costly. But in the back, we looked pretty comfortable for the most part. Kadisha Buchanan, I think there was a lot of questions of her coming in after a slightly rocky season with Chelsea. She looked like she was having a pretty good game. It was some fun battles with Oshawala. Shout out to Quinn, who uh, became the first non-binary player to play at a World Cup, who also had a massive game. But I, I think hopefully getting Fleming back will put that ruthlessness a little bit more because she can be quite direct with with how she builds up play. I would hope to see that against Australia um, in the last game and then as as well as Ireland next game, hopefully. Uh, We'll wrap it up there. Thanks to both of you for joining us. Canada take on Republic of Ireland in Perth, as Marianne said, and Nigeria next face Australia in Brisbane. Thanks so much for joining us, Mariam Karabi and Samuel Hamadou. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So Canada couldn't top Group B, but in Group A, Switzerland lead after they beat the Philippines 2-0 in Dunedin, thanks to a Ramona Bachman penalty and a close-range goal from Serena Puybel. The Philippines almost got their first World Cup goal, but Katrina Guillaume's shot was ruled out for offside. Well, those are all your games for today. Listeners, don't forget to share your thoughts with us as well here on the show using the hashtag OffsideWC and at OffsideRulePod. Make sure you rate, follow and subscribe to the show as well. Keep up to date with everything going on at the Women's World Cup in Australia by using the free Sky Sports app. You'll find news, interviews, live match coverage, analysis and much more. You don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Go to your app store, download it and away you go. And after the World Cup, it's the best app for WSL coverage and so much more, including F1, the Premier League, world-class boxing, international cricket and more. Remember, you don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Just search for Sky Sports in your app store. It's time then to look ahead to Saturday with our one-to-watch prediction game. If you missed it yesterday, here's producer Sophie to explain how it works. This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports, ones to watch. The game where you predict tomorrow's top player. So pick a player and let's get started. You'll get two points for a goal, it's one point for an assist, and one point for a clean sheet if you're a defender. And if you pick a goalkeeper, it's two points for a clean sheet and three points for a penalty save. Oh, and minus one for a red card. We're going to be keeping tallies throughout the tournament. There'll be a pundits team, a producers team and, of course, a listeners team. So keep your scores at home and let us know how you're getting on. Let's play. And a quick addition to the rules, we're going to add in a minus one now for an own goal. So on Saturday, England face Haiti, as we mentioned, defending champions USA play Vietnam, Zambia take on Japan and Denmark are up against China. So who 
are our ones to watch. I'll bat first of all for our producer Sophie, who's picked the USA's Sophia Smith. Jade Moore. Mine's going to be Trinity Rodman. Ah, I've gone for the same player. Give me your reasons. She's young, she's exciting. She has this element of no fear. I don't think she's going to be phased in this World Cup. I'm going to go Alex Morgan. I just think her goal-scoring record for the USA speaks for itself. Let's see then who's topping our leaderboard after Saturday. We'll have another show for you after the defending champions and England take to the stage. Thanks very much to you, Lindsay Hooper. Thank you. And to Jade Moore. Thanks for being with us, Jade. Thank you, guys. This has been the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. Don't forget to rate, follow and subscribe and share your thoughts with us too with the hashtag OffsideWC and at OffsideRulePod. We'll speak to you on Saturday. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.